When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Athena will give you a great home loan, then help you get rid of it. Need training for residential, commercial or civil construction? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. It's midday madness time. Jump on the phone. Dial the number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and we'll get you on. Anthony, Glenn, I know you're already on the line, but we'll get to you. But uh, Midday Madness, your course for the next couple of hours. Huge couple of hours coming up for Midday Madness. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert OH&S support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. That open line for Werribee Kia, 1300 736 736. Great to have Werribee Kia on board for 2023. Again, Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, where else? Heaps to get to on the program today. Uh, I can't tell you that we've got Alex Pierce, who has been named Fremantle captain, but we've got a request in and hope to get Alex Pierce. I can't tell you we've got Glenn Maxwell either. Because I don't want to tell you we've got Glenn Maxwell and we don't end up having Glenn Maxwell. We'll have a chance to get Glenn Maxwell on the program a little later on. Liam Stocker is going to join us. But plenty of your calls on 1300 736 is the priority for Midday Madness, as always. Heaps of stuff to get to as well. A couple of things, as I mentioned with Sammy Edmund, uh, that are on my agenda. But let's get to the things on your agenda first, if you like. Glenn in Tullamarine wants to talk about what's happening in Tassie. And that's another thing we'll get to when it comes to breaking news later on. Gil McLaughlin is in Tasmania. We will bring you the latest if there is a press conference there or someone with some news down there in Tasmania on the latest. But in the meantime, I'll try and answer your question, Glenn, or you can give us your point. One of the two, welcome to you. Yeah, good afternoon, Dwayne. There's an open letter that's come from members of the Labor Party in Tasmania, the Liberal Party the Greens as well as Independents, and they're asking McLaughlin to do the right thing and to give Tasmania their own team without making the taxpayers spend $750 million to build a roof when no other team has to do that. These politicians are absolutely spot on. Tasmania deserves their own team. They do not need a new stadium. They need a team. They don't need a stadium. They need a team. Just like Adelaide and just like great to have you on. New South Wales. Yeah, great to have you on, Glenn. I know you've already called on this a number of times, I understand. How many times have you called on this one, Glenn, do you think? A few, but I agree with the politicians. You need to get the politicians on and ask them, yeah. why do we need to spend taxpayers' money on a stadium when South Australia <laughs> don't need to, WA, Queensland, New South Wales? Yeah, Glenn, we've been through, why, why, why we've been through this. Why you call, you get on, I'll, I'll let you... Yeah, you call, you get on. I'll let you on, obviously, and uh, I thought it might have been a different point. You might have had an update, but it's the same thing you've called about a number of times before. I believe that Tasmania, that Hobart does need a stadium with the roof. I believe they do need state-of-the-art facilities, uh, and we've seen the, the failure of what happened on the Gold Coast with not having state-of-the-art facilities for player attention. So it was a disaster from the start. So to me, I think you do need a stadium with a roof, I think the government, I think, is going to redevelop the area and spend a lot of money on redeveloping the area itself around where the stadium's going to be. So it won't be money specifically tied to the stadium. It'll be money in ta- enhancing the area of, Taz- of Hobart, 
that is going to be great for all those heading down there for a holiday and all those living in Tasmania to enjoy. And by the way, there's going to be a stadium there in that precinct as well. But any, anyway, I appreciate your call again, Glenn. But um, it is great to have so many calls coming through on Tasmania. If we do have an update, we'll bring you that update from Gil. Anthony in South Morang, welcome to you, Anthony. Yes, good day, Dwayne. I just want to talk about the same uh, new year, same thing at Carlton with injuries. And it's also it's load management and all these stress fracture injuries. And, and so surely the club's got to look into Andrew Russell. I remember he came over from Hawthorne on big money to help fix our injury list. Now, under his watch, if you bear with me for a couple of seconds, sorry, Dwayne, to bore you, mate, but under his watch, and I'm not talking about collision injuries because you cannot compensate for collision injuries like ACLs and shoulder egos. So these are just stress management load injuries, right? Foot injuries. Maybe Cruiser had to retire because he had a foot injury. Right? Zach Fisher, Mark Murphy. This year we've got Jordan Boyd, Matty Cottrell, and we just had Matty Kennedy coming off a foot injury. Right? Then you go to the back injuries. We had Tommy Williamson missed a year and a half with a back injury. And um, Andy McKay. Harry McKay missed his first two pre-seasons with a back injury. Tom DeConning missed half a pre-season with a back injury. Paddy Cripps had stretch fracture in his back. Now Walsh has got back problems. Oscar McDonald played, I think, two games in two years with a back injury. Now you've got McGovern, who's got a sore back, so who knows what the hell that'll lead into. And then you also had Hewitt, but Hewitt had a pre-existing injury, so I'll give him that. But, you know, surely questions have got to get asked. And then you've also got guys like Martin, Marchbank, Durden. They're continually doing hamstrings and calves. So surely the club's got to look into what this money is getting spent on with Andrew Russell because he is ultimately the strength and the conditioning guy. And if that was a guy who was like a Teague or a Bolton, he'd got sacked by now. But Andrew Russell continues to be there on big money. So what is going on down at Carlton? Yeah, look, I appreciate your call, Anthony. I'm not putting it all on Andrew Russell. The overall program would be one ticked off on by a number of people as part of the medical staff. But I do understand what you're saying. There, there gets to a level where it can't just be bad luck. If the repeated things continue happening and happening to multiple players over multiple years, then it can't be bad luck. It can't be a one-off situation where we just had bad luck this year. So I understand where you're coming from on that they would be putting their own investigative powers into this as well because you can't afford to have injuries at this time of year. It does set you back. We've talked about it a lot over the pre-season. Injuries knock you around so much, and there are a number of clubs who don't seem to get many, Anthony. So not only do you investigate why you are getting some, you need to investigate why other teams aren't getting many because there are some teams who seem to get less injuries than other teams year in, year out. So I'm agreeing with you on the investigation, Anthony. I'm just wondering whether, you know, it should be blamed on one guy. But I appreciate your call. And hold the line, we've got something for you. By the way, heaps to give away today. You've got a Signet Boost Power Bank valid at 44.95. That's 44.95. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. We've got a few of those to give away. Also got some Brick Lane Brewing Vouchers. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd, please have a drink responsibly. And some vouchers, thanks to Perla, P-E-A-R-L-E-R, premium tees without the price tag, get Perla.com. 1-300-736-736 if you'd like to join us. Um, it is an interesting scenario we're facing with injuries, and there's some interesting stuff said today. Again, Paul Connors was on SEM Breakfast. I mentioned it with Sammy Edmund. So the new AFL CEO who replaces Gil McLaughlin will have a few big decisions to make in his first few months, including declaring 
his stance for and against the mid-season trade period. So the push for a mid-season trade window, it's growing. Um, now, you might hate it. I'm actually more against it than for it, for what it's worth. So I'm with those that believe you start the season with your list and that's your list. So I'm yet to be convinced that it's a good thing, the mid-season trade period. But what about you? Because the debate... Well, the number one player agent in the game, just about, Paul Collins, said this to SEN Breakfast today. He wants it. I think I've said I'm really strong on anything that allows um, our players and all players to stay in jobs and to move more freely, I'm supportive of. And, And that sort of flies in the face of I am a traditionalist at heart. And I think our players are really loyal overall like you know I know you see in the NFL and the NBA they move every second minute in the AFL I think the players should be applauded they're they're, they're extremely loyal and they only really move um, vastly for opportunities and you'll you'll get that's generalizing but that's that's on the whole Paul Connors on SEM Breakfast today with Gary and Tim so players want it agents want it the clubs want it the mid-season trade period it'll come down to whether the new CEO wants it, but do you want it? So imagine halfway through last year, Jack Gunston moving to Brisbane. Hawthorne know they'll trade Gunston at the end of the year. Gunston might want to get to the Lions halfway through last year. The Lions are desperate and in the premiership window and they've got injury issues with Eric Hipwood, so they knew they were in the premiership window and they were getting pretty desperate to win one. They would have loved Jack Gunston halfway through last year. Joe Danaher uh, was injured and Gunston could have been the difference between them winning the flag last year or not. Now, he might not have been, but Hawthorne could have got more for trading Gunston mid-last season because Brisbane was super desperate to get him than the pick in the late 40s they actually got for him at the end of the season. So there's some scenarios that it would actually work. Now, Hawthorne weren't in the business of of, uh, slamming other teams last year. They were never going to make the eight last year. So... It would have been a trade that halfway through last year, had we had a trade window, might have been done. The other trade that might have been done was Jason Horn francis Imagine Jason Horn francis halfway through last year traded to Port. North were in disarray. They dropped Horn francis and he wasn't even playing for them and he wanted out. So Port started 0-5. Ken Hinckley's coaching career and Port's finals chances were on the line. The Horn francis trade could have happened mid-last year as well. It's an interesting couple of scenarios and I'm sure you've got a few in your own mind that could have been done halfway through last year to enhance your team's premiership chances. And maybe it would have been the difference. Maybe it would have been the difference for Brisbane. A couple of things on that if you'd like to join us. John on the road wants to talk mid-season draft. I know Lynn in Epic and Nola in Perth, you're also there. We'll get to you very shortly. John, welcome to you, John. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Look, you, um, you were just talking about injuries and uh, Carlton's situation. Well, I reckon the mid-season draft would look after that. I mean, even if um, people are too popular with it, you've got to do it because um, then people can stock up and, and have another go at it because if you're faced with a lot of injuries halfway through the season, um, you know, it might be a way to get some holes. So I'm all for it. And in relation to the Carlton, look, you'll find that the players that have been injured, I know they've got a big injury list, but it's more the history of the players. I mean, sometimes it's got nothing to do with conditioning staff. If the history is there and you do soft tissue injuries, you'll find that even if you have a couple of good years, it's always going to get you. So it's more the history of the player than it is the uh, conditioning staff in most cases. 
Yeah, it might actually, you know, things like hardness of the venue could be in play. So they'll investigate it and say, okay, well, let's investigate all the other grounds that the other teams are training on. Our venue, you know, when we measured the hardness of it, may be a little bit harder. So there might be other issues like that at play as well. So an investigation is needed when you have repeated issues when it comes to injuries. But it might not come down to your conditioning staff at all. It might come down to other parameters that you didn't think of, but your investigation did unearth. But they definitely need a bit of a, a look at it. Hey, great to have you call. John, got something for you as well. Hold the line. We've got uh, a Brick Lane Brewing Voucher, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions, and the ultimate crowd pleaser, but drink responsibly. one 736 is the number. Please join us. Uh, Lynn and Epping, quickly before the break. You there, Lynn? Oh, hello. How are you, Dwayne? It's Lynn. Yeah, good to have you back. I'm, I'm ringing about um, Maxfield's uh, contribution painfully brief that was in yesterday's uh, paper. Um, I'm ringing to say I'm that they had, uh, Wes Agar, the, the man who dismissed him, they've put it in the paper as he dismissed him for the second and the thir- first innings. But that's wrong. Because my grandson, who plays for South Australia in the Sheffield Shield, they played Victoria this week, he dismissed him in the first innings. And that's what I'm annoyed about. Give your grandson a pump-up while you're on the the line, Lynn. Who's your grandson and and why isn't he playing for Australia, Lynn? He's (laughs) playing... He's a Victorian, but he's been over in South Australia playing. And he's only 22, Jordan Buckingham. And he he actually dismissed Maxwell in the first innings LBW. And in the paper yesterday, they've got Wes Agar as the man who dismissed him in just in um, last Maxwell proved little help, but mm. it's, it says him here. He um, he was the one that dismissed him in the both innings, and that's what I'm appreciate not happy you calling. No, I can see, I can hear you're not happy, and I understand why you've called. I mean, there's nothing worse than having someone disrespect your grandson. I know what it's like when I, I uh, when my and grandmother I'm used to get upset and, um, when people disrespected me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I'm not happy because uh, Jordan's only young and he's doing really well. He's going going through it all, and he's and to to not be giving the accolade for I was just so wrapped when he, he got Maxi out. I thought, oh well, he's doing all right. And then they've put <laughs> it, put it down to Wes Agard as the one that got him out, and he he dismissed him in the second innings, not the first innings. Mm. Yeah, well, you've clarified so it now, Lynn. I appreciate your call. Yeah, well, you know right. where I am. If you ever want to pump him up, you know, you call, you'll get on, Lynn. That's the beauty of this program. Nola in Perth's caught a couple of times in the last few days. Always great to have Nola on. Welcome to you, Nola. Oh, hi. Actually, I rang about Tassie, but just about the draft first. Um, this is only yep. people get uh, 100% injured, right? You need a replacement. I believe, yeah, okay, but the player that you bring in has to be someone that's not getting an opportunity at their club, that's just playing in the seconds all the time or whatever, not, you know, take a trade person from there to replace an injured player and not a current, you know, playing in the the, the top team. Yep. But, with, yeah, just quickly with the Tassie thing, 
I reckon personally, I think they need to get a team there as ASAP, and just in the interim, until they can get, they need a stadium. We all, we all, you know, Optus has just been amazing for us over here, but the facilities where North and Tassie play mustn't be that bad. I mean, I've never been there, but maybe if they just upgraded the toilets and things like that, because, you know, I. I rate a ground on the facilities that you're given, not not whether it's got a roof over their head. I just want to go and see a great game of Aussie rules. And with player retention, I was shocked. I did go to Queen's, to Brisbane one day, and I was shocked at how close Gold Coast was to Brisbane. And I said to my sister, I don't know how anybody ever thought that it was going to work there. It's not an Aussie rule state. And players would be playing in front of, what, a couple of thousand people with no atmosphere there. Why would you want to stay there? When a little kid, all their life, all they want to do is play Aussie rules, but they want to play in front of people. They don't care how nice the stadium is. They want a crowd there to watch them and cheer them on. Anyhow, that's all I've got to say. But I think in the interim, they no, need to get you... down there ASAP because the basketball is going to rob them. They need to get back into the grassroots. Tassie have been absolutely shunted, I think, from the AFL, the way they have not been a priority place to get their own team. Appreciate call, Nola. Um, Look, one of the great things about having a stadium in the middle of your city is that it's walking distance for people to go. So as great as Metricon Stadium has been for the Suns as a venue, I think it would have been better if they could have got themselves a venue on the Gold Coast, walking distance for the for the people that go there to do whatever they want to do on the Gold Coast and have that as your option, rather than having to get in a car or get in a cab. That's the beauty of this ta- Tasmania situation if you build a stadium in Hobart. That's the beauty of the Adelaide Oval. It's walking distance. It's not footy park, which is right down the beachway. That's the beauty of Optus Stadium in Perth, and I'm glad you made the Optus Stadium point. It is There is no comparison whatsoever you can make between Optus Stadium in Perth and Blunston Arena as it is right now. Let's go back to your calls and your texts. By the way, Australia has named its one-day international squad for the three-match series against India after the tests conclude. I'll bring you that squad very shortly, but virtually got a full board, so I want to get back to your calls. And heaps of texts have come through. Uh, let me read out a few texts um, quickly. 0433981116, by the way, is the 40 Winks Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, text line. Uh, there is zero chance... I'm booking a football holiday and taking my kids to Tassie if there's no roof. Spend all that money on travel accommodation and you get a freezing windy day. That's why I love Marvel for the kids. Thanks for that. Uh, Need to look at the ground slash surface at Icon Park. AFLW play plenty of games at Icon and have plenty of injuries. Also, Kane in Cranbourne South. Uh, Will Carlton's practice game be on KO tomorrow? My understanding is all the games this weekend, today and tomorrow, are on KO. I'm looking forward to watching a heap of them on KO as well. I'll be at GMHBA Stadium for Geelong's game against Hawthorne a little later today, but looking forward to watching a heap on KO as well. And all the games will be broadcast on Fox Footy next weekend, that main round of one-off games before the season starts. Uh, Grandma Lynn for PM, Duano, Ham Dog in Torquay. Thanks for that. Uh, the AFL has learnt the lesson from previous mistakes. Tassie must have a stadium. Joel, and I agree with you. They've learnt from previous mistakes. Um, agreed, Dwayne. Facilities and setup, tourists and vibrant precinct is what it takes down there. Uh, another one here. New stadium is required for the fans to maximise attendance during the season. Uh, 
So many coming through. RE Tassie Dwayne, a new state of the art facility is a no brainer. Much more than just footy. We could have test cricket, not delayed by weather. International music artists could be enticed to include Tassie on the tour. Endless possibilities. Yes, it's expensive, but it's an asset for the whole state and forever and a day. Cheers, B. And I think that is the issue. Uh, it's an asset forever and a day to set up the beauty of Hobart and Tasmania for the next 50 years. And there is, it's an amazing stadium. If you haven't been to Hobart, so haven't been to Perth and been to Optus Stadium, Subiaco was fantastic. Love going to Subiaco. The Wacker was fantastic. But neither of them are anywhere near as magnificent as Optus Stadium is as a lure to go to WA and watch a sporting event there. Uh, Simon in Brisbane, you want to talk about Tassie. So many people want to talk about it. Welcome to you, Simon. Yeah, thank you, Dwayne. Um, yeah, look, I'm not Tasmanian, but um, there's uh, really nothing I love more than our great game. And um, our, our great game is never going to be as great as it can be without you know, our, our second oldest state having a team in the national competition. It's, it's essential that we set um, Tassie up for success. What they will be entering in 2027 when they start this competition, these are the existing stadiums they're up against. I mean, Adelaide $535 million 10 years ago. Perth spent a billion dollars opened their stadium three years ago. The Gabba is knocking down a stadium that's only 30 years old and spending $2.7 billion. That will be under construction in the year Tassie enters the competition in not much more than than a cow paddock. So um, the team needs to have comfort for its spectators, the opportunity to sell sponsorship, the ability to retain um, its players, to get membership really quickly. All these things hinge on a high-quality stadium that every other stadium in the national competition already has. I'm not arguing with you, Simon. I really appreciate you bringing in and giving your thoughts on it, especially given you live in Brisbane and uh, you've got an unbiased view from up there. Mark and Juan Turner, you want to talk umpires, Mark, uh, which uh, is an interesting one given that... um, Well, anyway, your thoughts on umpires, Mark? Yes, uh, good afternoon, Dwayne. Yes, just on yesterday's uh, segment, Wayne, you were talking about the four umpires. I have a concern about that. The reason being, I just feel like the game has been suffocated. Now, Dwayne, if it's for fatigue, why don't they have one on the bench and have just three quarters? Every umpire just does three quarters a game. And the other side of it, Dwayne, is between that stand rule, now, is this correct? If you run away from the mark, you're going to get penalised, Dwayne? If you've elected to stand and then you run away, yes, you will get penalised. You've got to make your decision pretty quick, Mark. Either you're standing or you're running away, not, uh, oh, I'll stand. Oh, no, I won't. I'm running away. You can't run backwards. You can if that's the first choice. Uh, once he takes the mark or gets the free kick, you can get out of there, but you can't stand the mark and then after a couple of beats, a couple of seconds, decide, oh, actually, I don't really want to stand the mark. I want to get out of here. So you've got to make your decision, and once you've made your decision, it's made. I just think, I reckon the game's getting suffocated, Dwayne. I mean, you know, four umpires. Yeah. So if they umpire to the letter of the law of the book, you'll have a free kick on every line. Because even the footy fans aren't sure what is a holding the ball, what is a push in the back. I mean, yeah. it's just how the umpire's going to, between the four of them, it's just, it's yeah. too much, Dwayne. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll agree to disagree with you, Mark. I appreciate yeah, I appreciate your call, Mark. I'll agree to disagree with you on it. I'm not jumping at the shadow, as I said a couple of days ago when this was raised. Um, I'm not throwing that time bomb of fear into everybody's mind. This is going to wreck the game. 
As I said over and over again, I don't think umpiring's got any better or any worse for 50 years. Uh, we argued about how bad the umpiring was under the one umpire system. We argued about it under the two umpire system. We've argued about it under the three umpire system. What the AFL is trying to do is actually do something to make it better. And they believe it's not just the fatigue of the amount of time you have to run as an umpire. It's about positioning as well, Mark. So better positioning will allow a clearer view of decisions that they can actually decide not to make now. So no, I'm not running. Uh, I'm not telling everybody... Uh, I'm not the henny penny of the world that tells everybody the sky's falling. Uh, I'm going to wait and see if it's actually just a little bit of rain. And it's the same rain we've had for 50 years. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Love Midday Madness. Keep your calls coming. one 736 that open line number. It's brought to us by Werribee Kia. Your call will get you on. John is on the line now. I'm coming to you shortly, John. Keep your text coming through as well on the 40 Winks temper text 0433981116. But... If you want to join me for a bit of talkback radio, anything in the world of sport that moves you enough to pick up your phone, we'll get you on. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So Australia has named its one-day international squad for the three-match series against India after the tests conclude. So Glenn Matchwell and Mitch Marsh are the headline name for returning to the squad after recovering from their injuries. As I mentioned earlier, we're hoping to speak to Glenn Maxwell a little bit later on the show. Not sure if we'll... Uh, get lucky there, but we've put a request in. Um, I think Alex Pierce, the new captain of Fremantle, is either going to join Sports Day later on today or he's going to be on the breakfast program on SEN tomorrow. So if you haven't heard that news, Fremantle has named their new captain. It's Alex Pierce. He's the 10th captain of Fremantle. Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong have been named his vice captains. So the squad, the one-day international squad with Maxwell and Marsh, Mitch Marsh added, Full squad, Pat Cummins, Ashton Agar is in the squad and wasn't he brilliant yesterday, diplomatic and um, spoke magnificently. Cummins, Agar, Alex Carey, Cameron Green, Travis Head, um, Labashane, Maxwell, Mitch Marsh, Inglis, uh, Richardson, Smith, Stark, Stoinis, Warner and Zampa. So that is the squad for Australia. Uh, and chew that over. And give us a call if you've got a thought on it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. John in Port Augusta's been holding for a while. Welcome to you, John. Hi, Dwayne. I'm really excited. I'm pretty back, so we're looking forward to it. <laughs> but um, absolutely. Just before I get to my main point, um, see Port Adelaide announced that uh, Hall of Fame last night. I'm surprised that Jake Jones was already in. To be honest, I know he got in last night. Well, I'm surprised you wasn't yeah. in the Kelly Oaks teammates, Roger Dodger Delaney and the Silky Rowan Smith got in. So that's fantastic. Well done, boys. But um, Yeah, I agree with you, John. I, I, I was invited to be there last night and I couldn't make it. Yeah. But, yeah, it was great to see a couple of no, my old teammates. Uh, Roger Delaney is a six-time yeah. premiership Roger. player and Rowan Smith, six-time premiership player. Roger Delaney also played a game for Fitzroy and Saints fans might remember Rowan Smith playing for them as well. Anyway, go on, John. I don't want to cut you off. No, that's all right. Um, what's happening in the Mighty Fox footy this year, mate? Uh, any new shows or any Saturday Night Lights or that party show they had on last year? Will that continue to know at all or what's the go? Thank yeah, best on, ground, best on Ground will be back, John. So it'll be happening on Saturday nights. Best on Ground. No Nick Rewalt, so I'm not sure if they're adding anyone to the team. But we've got our meetings at Fox Footy in about a week. So I'll find out. When is it? Next next Thursday, I think I'll find out what the whole rundown is, who's on which show, uh, whether there's a replacement for 
Nick Rewald on the couch. Who's it going to be? There's been speculation it'll be Bucks. But they've also used, you know, we've got superstars like Jason Dunstall who can drop into that role. So uh, I'm not sure, but hopefully this time next week I'll be able to tell you, John. And while we're, I didn't want to make too much of it because it sounds a bit self-indulgent, but congratulations to all those that were inducted into Port Adelaide's Hall of Fame last night. There's a lot of them that are old friends of mine like Rowan Smith and Roger Delaney. Uh, and, and a couple of them that were administrators and, and just great people. When you get honoured for being at the club, doing great work for the club for you know, 50, 60 years, it is nice to see guys that are old friends of mine like um, you know, Greg Bolton, uh, Jimmy Nitschke, um, Barry Wilson, um, Jeff Motlione. He's been a great servant of the Port Adelaide Footy Club for a long time. Uh, these are names that a lot of people around Australia won't know, but uh, David Judd's been a ripper. Phil Hoffman, Frankie Hayter, what a, what a gem of a man, Frankie. Uh, Ian McLaughlin, who was there for a long time when I was there. Robert Howie, who's been a great contributor. Uh, Tony Hobby, an old coach of mine from the under-19s, who I still love catching up with from time to time. Brian Bucky Cunningham, my old captain as well, so an old teammate of mine. So um, congratulations to all those that were inducted. Oh, Brucey Weber as well was inducted last night. So well done to all those people. Anyway. Always great to have your company for Midday Madness. Let's head straight back to your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Jeremy in Geelong, you've been holding for a while. Thanks for that, Jeremy. Welcome to you. Hello, Dwayne. Yes, welcome to you. Uh, I'm sorry, I've got MS, so I'm sorry if my speech is a bit... Um uh, hard to understand, so I have to get my point through. So I'm just asked, uh, wondering, can you explain what the difference is between a uh, simulation practice game and a fair digging practice game? Yeah, Jeremy, so they're match sims, if you like, or, or call them the simulated practice match today and tomorrow that most clubs are playing, and they can really make up how they want to format it. So you can play six quarters, you can play... Well, it'll be six sixths, of course. Uh, you can play five fifths if you want. You can have them 25 minutes set, and then that's the end of the quarter. You can have 30 minutes plus time on and play four quarters if you want to. So you can really set the parameters yourself when it's a match sim. Um, and then the practice matches next week are locked in for exactly the same as AFL game conditions for round one. So the same length quarters, only four quarters allowed, same length of quarters allowed, same amount of interchange allowed. So the games that are happening today, the players, could, they could interchange 500 times if they want to and rotate 30 players through there today if they want to. So next week, teams won't be able to do that. There will be set interchange as per the amount of interchange you're allowed for round one. So I uh, appreciate your call. Hope to let, does that clarify it for you, Jeremy? No, I was just wondering. Um, I remember back to the the uh, early days where Richmond and Hawthorne uh, used, used to play, but the coaches would agree on how the game would be played, as in the uh, intensity of tackling, uh, spoiling. Yep. Uh, do they do what they used to call salary, where there's a, a bit of pressure, but not much? That, that happens in their internal match sim. So when Geelong plays Geelong a week ago and I went and watched one, uh, they're very cautious about their tackling. Um, and they don't dump players to the ground and they're pretty, they're pretty cautious about the way they go about it. And it's umpired by actual AFL umpires too. So um, you can't go throwing punches around and doing stuff that is illegal. Uh, and that'll be the same case for the games this weekend. 
um, you won't be able to do anything illegal because there's AFL umpires in place and they'll actually report you this weekend if you do something crazy. Uh, and next week, likewise, they will. So, yeah, the, the internal trials, when a team plays a game against themselves, they are very cautious when it comes to... They, they pretty much go 90%. appreciate your call, Jeremy. Hold the line. We've got a voucher thanks to Perlite coming your way. P-E-R-L-E-R. Premium tees without the price tag. Get Perla.com. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, pipe, are you going via the road on the gather round with Gary and Tim? Looks like a convoy. Uh, that's from Dean. No, I won't be travelling on their bus, their minibus or their uh, whatever they've got, stretch limousine. I won't be going with Gary and Tim. Um, I've done that road trip many a time between Adelaide, given I grew up in Adelaide, lived there for the first 20 years of my life and spent a lot of time heading back and forth between um, Geelong and Adelaide. Um, there's something about that road I've kind of had enough of. Uh, but the boys will enjoy it if they haven't done it as many times as I have. Um, then I'm pretty much, uh, if I can get uh, somewhere near the front half of the plane, get over there in an hour and ten minutes, I'll be happier with that. Barry and Chelsea, thanks for holding. Barry, as we head back to your calls for Midday Madness. Hello, Barry. Good afternoon. Uh, hope you're all well. One I am. ringing is to talk about the AFL pre-season fixture. It, it seems to have over the last few years been wavering and a bit of a loss and they're not sure what to do. Why not give it some meaning and make it so that you, the winner of the whole thing gets four points towards their year's point tally? So that means if your team's ninth, they might become eighth because they've got that extra four points. Yeah, Barry, it's been suggested before many a time. I actually don't like it. I like the season proper being the season proper and nothing outside affects it. But it's a suggestion that might get considered by the AFL in time. I think the pre-season competition is only going to become less important. It's become lesser and lesser and lesser in terms of we did have a whole round-robin competition knockout at one stage, and I loved it because I was part of that as well. I enjoyed it as a player, uh, and you played the grand final mid-season. But that's gone by the wayside. It's gone the way of the dodo. We did have a three-game pre-season system. That was reduced to a two-game pre-season system. Now we've got a one-game pre-season system. To be honest, I'd rather just lengthen the main season. So we had 26 home-to-away games. I'd be for that. And no pre-season games. I'd be in for that as well, Barry. So I appreciate your call. It has been suggested. Uh, I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm just saying that I'm not for it. But it's not to say the AFL won't do it in a couple of years' time. Simon in Canberra, you there, Simon? Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Um, quick question. I'm sorry if it's been brought up, but why don't the AFL employ the umpires full time, then offer contracts to young Waffle Santel umpires, bring everybody on board, and have a professional umpiring system and pathway? It's a no-brainer, Simon. I'm with you 100%. I've mentioned this on this program probably so many times that people are sick of it. They put their fingers down their throat when I start talking about it, but. I'm with you. The NBL does it. They have full-time umpires in the NBL or referees in the NBL. Uh, they're trying to make their process better. The thing about full-time umpires, even if it's only three or four full-time umpires, if you want to be a, an electrician and be an umpire, then so be it. You can be an electrician or a doctor or a news agent and be an AFL umpire. But if you're a young kid who thinks, I want to be a professional AFL umpire when I grow up, then give a pathway out there to those that are 14, 15, 16 years of age now. Entice them in to the umpiring fraternity. Say, we've got a full-time job for you. 
at the end of this because you can umpire AFL games all AFL season and then AFLW games all AFLW season. You can have your six weeks off and then you can umpire pre-season games. You can go and do sessions at clubs. There's plenty of opportunity for a full-time list of umpires. It might not be the whole list. I don't think it'll ever be the whole list. But surely three or four scholarships a year is a no-brainer. So I'm with you 100%, Simon, and I really appreciate you putting it back on the agenda because more people need to rattle that cage. Um, Gary in Avondale Heights, you want to talk the one-day international squad? Gary, welcome to you. G'day, Dwayne. Yeah, um, I'm not too sure. Did you mention Kawaja in that or not? Uh, let me go back to the squad. I'll read it to you again. Cummins, Abbott, Agar, Carey, Green, Head, Inglis, Labuschagne, Marsh, Mitch Marsh, Maxwell, Jai Richardson, Smith, Stark, Stoinis, Warner, Zampa. Um, no. Oh, okay. That seems a bit strange because um, Kawaja is a better batsman than Dave Warner at the moment. I mean, they came back to play in the BBL for the first uh, for a short time. And Kawaja was um, made much many more runs than um, Warner. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you on it, Gary. I'm just uh, I'm you can shoot the messenger if you like. I'm just giving you the squad. I'm not telling you it's a good one. I'm not sure why. Maybe he hasn't wanted to play in it. I'm not sure if he's got something else. Hasn't played one day internationals for a while, but he looked all right in the big bash to me. So um, maybe he would be a better option than Dave Warner. Um, Appreciate your call. Uh, David in Mernda wants to talk to Tassie Stadium. Welcome to you, David. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Um, good to chat with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just 100% agreeing with you with the Tassie Stadium. I believe that there does need to be one. Uh, we're actually a travelling family, a support St Kilda. Uh, we travel around a lot of states, and, um, you know, some of the stadiums, like the old York Park back in the day, like we never went back after, you know, experiencing the first one. But uh, most, most supporters are just going to follow their team. Either way, but um, if the stadium is perfect, 100%, and not a wet cardboard box, I think people are going to continue to come back also. Oh, look, I think if, if, it's, a, if it's an attractive um, proposition to go and tour Hobart, I mean, you might not go down and fly back in a day for the game like a lot of people do now. You might stay there three days. You might make it your family trip for the year. I think it'll be a great thing to lure tourists down because the restaurants are great in Hobart. The restaurants are magnificent. The, the, Hobart's a beautiful part of the world. When you get down there, the weather's actually not that bad, but I think that you do need a roof on that stadium. Thanks for your call. Um, scrap simulation and practice matches and add four season games. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that. Hey, Dwayne, imagine if Tom Mitchell went to the Pies mid-season last year. Might have played in a granny. Mark from Brisbane. You're spot on. That's a mid-season trade that might have worked as well. As a spectator, the facilities at Subiaco Oval were horrendous. Nowadays, to go to Optus is a whole new ball game. So glad we got the new stadium. I think as an investment for Tassie, it'll be well worthwhile. That's from Chris as well. Keep your text coming through. 0433 98 11 16. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Jump back on the line. We'll continue calls for Midday Madness. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert OHS support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And we're here for Athena Home Loans. Pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Josh Jenkins is going to join me. Liam Stocker is going to join me. We'll talk more about the big story in WA, given that Fremantle have announced who their 10th captain will be. It's Alex Pierce with Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong as his vice-captains. Paul Hazel will be to join us a little bit later on. Andrew in Adelaide's been holding a while. Welcome to you, Andrew. 
Yep. G'day, Dwayne. Um, mate, there was some discussion yesterday on your program about the uh, boundary umpires perhaps uh, playing a role in officiating, um, you know, the rules and the game, assisting yep. the, the field umpires. I think that's a, a, a bridge too far. I think they need to focus on what they need to be doing with the pace of the game. I, I can't see any any way that they would be able to sort of offer too much, and particularly now with four umpires. But my main point around boundary umpires, what they need to be able to do and what they haven't been doing for the last couple of years at all effectively is throwing the ball in far enough to where the ruckmen um, are positioned. So what we see way too often is them throwing the ball in really shallow, which leads to the ruckman being sucked towards the boundary line. The structures of the, of the midfielders and the, the players around that contest being in an outer position and the ball being pushed you know, back towards the boundary line and then slowing the game because there's most likely going to be another boundary throw-up if, if the ball's thrown in shallow. So the main focus for me is to see the, the boundary umpire actually being able to effectively throw the ball on top of the ruckman's head. Have you noticed that? Being yeah, I can a tell problem? you, the AFL's, the AFL's 100% with you, Andrew. They want that. Yeah, I noticed that they can't throw it in deep enough, and I noticed that late in games they throw it in uh, more shallow than ever before. So fatigue is a factor for umpires, and it's a fatigue factor that stops a boundary umpire from being able to throw it in far enough. In the AFLW, we see them come in um, 7 or 8 or 10 metres and throw it in from there. What throwing it in deeper will also allow is ball movement to the boundary side of the throw-in. At the moment, if you throw it in shallow and the ball gets knocked towards the boundary, there's no opportunity for movement of the ball on that side of the throw-in pack. But if you bring it in 10 metres and then throw it in, you're going to open up not only the midfield corridor, but you're going to open up outside ball movement as well. So I'm with you 100%. But by the way, Andrew, the AFL is also with you. They would like them to throw it in deeper. Uh, Simon in Geelong, I know you're on the line, wants to talk umpires. Josh Jenkins has been good enough to join me. He's just about to select his, his 18 for the Geelong team to run out today against Hawthorne. So let's find out who the 18 is. Josh, welcome to the program. Great to have you back. Thanks, Dwayne. And if uh, you think, A, you're going to get it out of me, then you're mistaken. But B, if you think I even know, then you're mistaken as well. Chris and uh, Chris and the, the head honchos, they make those big decisions. But I have noticed, uh, and you can tell me whether I'm wrong or right, but I have noticed that there's a lot of people involved with Geelong in the grandstand. Uh, when I saw a game the other day, they were damn happy about Jai Clark, their new recruit that they picked up during the draft. Um, he looks like he's going to get a bit of game time this afternoon. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think my understanding is that everyone who's healthy will, will get an opportunity today. So, um, you know, when they're playing eight periods of footy, uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, game time that needs to be filled. I think it might be four, uh, sorry, eight 25-minute periods. So, you know, there'll be some VFL-listed guys who will get some exposure as well. So a lot of bodies are needed to to get through all eight periods of play. So, yeah, Jai's one of a few who, I guess unofficially, uh, for the first time will get to pull on the hoops and, and have a run around. But it's important for these these young guys and the guys on the periphery and perhaps some guys who have missed a chunk of the preseason to, to be able to wind themselves up. For some, this game this afternoon uh, doesn't mean much. It means almost nothing. It's just a bit of a hit out. But for others, it means a little bit more. And it'll mean a little bit more for... Ollie Henry's been starring pre-season. You've got Jack Bowes, who's jumped to a new club. They want to establish themselves. Tanner Bruin gets an opportunity today to kind of establish himself among the pecking order. 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. And that's the beauty, I guess, of the extended game time is you can you can spread the load. You know, it's probably, you know, most of the premiership players are, are ready to rock and roll and want to play, you know, aside from, you know, probably Tom Hawkins and, and Mitch Duncan. And the rest of them are pretty well, you know, wound up and, and want to play. These guys are, you know, even though we try to look after them at 30, 31, 32, if they don't play today, they've got to train tomorrow. So they'd rather get out there and have a run around. But that, that does allow us to extend the game out and give those guys an opportunity because it can be difficult. You know, maybe a young forward playing in a, in a, in a VFL side that might not be getting a lot of opportunity, you, you can struggle and you can not necessarily stand out. Whereas if you get an opportunity to play alongside Cameron and, and Stengel and those guys, then all of a sudden you might just look like a little bit uh, more of a potent forward yourself. You're getting the fourth or fifth defender and, and things can happen for you. So, Hopefully, a lot of those guys get the opportunity that they are seeking, and I guess that's the beauty of the eight quarters or the eight periods. Everyone will get their get their opportunity to take a turn. Now, uh, idiots like me are going to read way too much into things we see this afternoon, and I'm looking forward to you know, making mountains out of molehills. One of them will be who tosses the coin. Is there a is there a coin toss to decide who's kicking which way to start this game? Well, maybe uh, I don't do much on game day, Dwayne. And when it's a when it's a when it's a game without any points on the line, maybe I'll do even less. So maybe I'll put my hand up to go and flip the coin because I haven't got much <laughs> much else to do. But um, no, I don't. Uh, I think it'll just be the Hawks will warm up down one end, and they'll say we'll just go this way, and you guys can go that way, and we'll just get on with business. So it's very very informal, Dwayne. So that's a long-winded ask, uh, question for me to finally get to the point, which is when are you going to name your captain? Uh, again, uh, this is the beauty of being a, a part-timer. I can plead the fifth on all this sort of stuff. I, um, I'm not sure what the timetable is. I think and a year across this, I, I saw Alex Pierce was was named the uh, the captain of Frio this mm. morning. Hey, is it just is it just the cats left to name a skipper? I'm not sure what um, whether there are any Brisbane, other teams. Brisbane that, next week. So Chris Fagan said on on SEM Breakfast this morning that they're still a week away at least from naming their captain because they had a process. That, uh, that was so long-winded. Even I, We had to go on an ad break in the, in the middle of him explaining how long their process is. So they've got a long one. So you might not be the last that, uh, that's yeah, naming well, their captain this year. It is interesting. I, um, I um, And I heard Tommy Atkins say it, so I'm not giving anything away. But, um, you know, we, our guys have decided to go down a bit of a different tack than a lot of others and not necessarily give every player a vote. More, more, more give the... I guess, a consultation rather than votes. And I think that is the right way to go about it. Now, people say, of course, you're with the Cats, of course, you're going to say that. But, I mean, you, you know, you take a Jai Clark, for example, who might be a very intelligent young man, and, in fact, he, he is, but does he really know uh, the people at the top of the pecking order who will be the best candidate for, for, for being the next captain? I'm not sure. So I think it is a good idea to give that, that top 20 group of players and then your staff and your assistant coaches and... And, and onwards and upwards from there with your GM and your, and your CEO. I think that is a good way to go about it. But, you know, each to their own. Now, you are the right coach as well. So have you got a view on this, how deep the throw-in should be? Well, I mean, it's a bit of an optical illusion. I do. I don't, it, it makes sense that as the game wears on, the boundary umpires get fatigued and their throw-ins become a little bit shorter. But we, we often emphasise... The, the Ruckman, it's like markers up. When you play markers up or jack in the pack, um, as I think you South Australians call it, 
when you when you um when you play markers up, you always want to stand at the back. Everyone wants to stand at the back. Everyone wants to be the, and you end up starting in one position and ending up forty meters um, back of where you started. And that's what happens with the ruckman because they both, you know, more often than not, want to take the back position and and want to stand on the back and get in, you know, under the shoulder of the other ruckman. And they start way way too far back and they end up running toward the ball. So we often talk to our midfielders about don't judge you know don't don't sort of set yourself up based off the ruckman set it up off where the umpire says the ball is going to land because the central umpire does point out the 18 meters i do concede that every now and then it doesn't exactly land perfectly on 18 but the ruckman are a bit of the problem in this situation now nicely answered so who will ruck in the forward line given tom hawkins isn't there to do it today yeah, that'll be that'll be something that the guys I know are keen to explore a fair bit. Now, this might be one of your uh, uh, mountains out of your molehills that you might be able to create, Dwayne. <laughs> I think I think um, I think the guys will get pretty creative. Of course, Reese is, is there, and Reese can play as a more traditional ruck and, and and go all the way down inside fifty if if need be. John Siegler will do will do the same. So those guys will probably share the the load, and because they will be likely coming on and off the ground, you know, in terms of seven, eight, ten-minute burst. I'll probably ruck the whole ground, but, you know, Blitz will do his bit. Um, there'll be other guys who, who take a turn. Unfortunately, I don't think Shannon Neal's fit to play. I don't think he was in the squad. He's just um, come up a bit short to play, so it would have been good to see him, but we've got Asava and we've got Sam DeConing. We've got plenty of guys who are big enough, but it'll be interesting to see. And to be honest, Wayne, I'll be learning as much as anyone about how we're going to um, go about it without Hawk inside 50. Yeah, I saw Shannon Neal roll his ankle running into the fence sort of a couple of day, uh, weeks ago. So let's hope he's okay. Ollie Henry, full forward. Is that uh, you going to play Ollie Henry in the forward line? Well, I think he'll definitely play mostly in the forward line. They, the guys had a bit of a look at him at the other end of the ground. He's such a dynamic athlete. He's he's really good overhead. He's a really he's not an old fashioned style of player, but he's a He's a uh, he's less about craft and less about you know angles and the, and and those sorts of things. It's, he's just a he's an instinctive guy. He's a great mark. He's great on the lead. He's got electric pace. So yeah, he, he does look like you know he does look like that third hybrid forward who can play a little bit taller than he is. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. And I know that Nigel Lappin and, and and the rest of the coaches will be keen to get a look at him alongside Cameron and Stengel and, and Rowan and those guys and see what it looks like. And before I let you go, are you a fan of a mid-season trade period or not? Yeah, I think so. Anything that gives players more opportunity to be playing AFL football, I think, works. I don't think we'd see... We wouldn't see any more than a handful of deals, to be honest. I think we'd only see three or four. You know, you got a, a player, a team who wants to load up and might, you know, sell, sell or buy a little bit overs to get someone who can fill in a spot. And, and I think the opportunity factor is important. I can think of a heap of guys who have been either the second ruckman or the second full forward or the second full back who would have been playing at 12 or 13 other clubs. I think if we can make that happen, then it's worthwhile. Great to have you, Josh. I'll see you down there a bit later on. Will do, mate. Put the sunscreen on. She's warm here. Yeah, but 16, 30-minute quarters as well. You're gonna, we're going to be there till midnight tonight. Josh <laughs> Jenkins joining us, AFL Nation commentator and Geelong assistant coach, uh, trying to give us a little bit without giving too much away. Your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Michael and Preston wants to talk Ollie Henry. Uh, welcome to you, Michael. Great to have you on the line. Yeah, Dwayne, how are you going? Look, um, I think Ollie would have given away a, jo- a Josh Kennedy. You watch. Put the tape over this. 
he will be, it is the biggest mistake that Collingwood could have made getting rid of him there, there Grace, and he's going to prove it. He's, a, he's an agile... No, I'm with you, Mike. I agree with you, Michael. Yeah, it, it will be... It, it will be a, it's going to bite us like a Dick Carlton with Josh Kennedy. You watch. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I think he will be a star, Ollie Henry. I'm... I'm Loving what I've seen so far this pre-season. Now, it's only pre-season, so we're probably getting a bit excited making a mountain out of that molehill. But if there is one guy that could actually make his career, you know, skyrocket this year from what he put together the last two years, it's Ollie Henry. Brad in Hobart. Welcome to you, Brad. Good afternoon, Delano. How are we, Oh, Good to have you on, Brad. Thank you very much, mate. It's about the Tasmanian Stadium. In my perspective, mate, um, I reckon that this Rockcliffe, I reckon he's just turned the tables, mate. What it was, mate, the first off with Gil McLaughlin last year, it was meant to be finalised by November. November was meant to be at some word about it. But then we're going to have a stadium, we're going to have a team, we're going to have a team, we're going to have a stadium. Now, it's February, Cobber, near going on March. Three months later, they're going to spend $750 million to win. Now, I'm a case wheezing, through and through, mate. I'm from Hobart. You come to Hobart, mate, and the majority of the Tasmanians say, we'd love to have it. We'd love to have it. No doubt about it, mate. Taxpayers' money, I don't believe in it. Everyone's got to make work to make a living. Now, it comes down to the perspective of it, mate. This is what I say of it. The economy is going to boom, having the stadium and all that, right? Don't get me wrong. I'd love that. What it is to down for all it, mate? How long is it going to take before we get the OK in Tasmania? How long is it going to take for that stadium to be built? And how long before we have a side to wait? Well, I reckon 2027 will be the, the build finish date and 2028 will be your first year in the AFL if I was to have a guess. So that's just a guess, Brad. But I was down there two weeks ago in Hobart, spent a bit of time there, spent a couple of days there. Uh, I've spent many a day in Hobart, to be honest. It's a beautiful place, and I think it's a beautiful city for people to tour if you haven't been to Hobart before. Go down, spend a few days there. The longer you spend in Tassie, the more you can see. So you can take longer drives, go to more places. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful part of Australia that doesn't get toured enough. So it's got to bring more tourists down there. And if you've got a reason to go down there specifically to go and watch a, uh, a bit of test cricket, for example, I think it's going to drag people down there, Brad. So I'm with you. And I spoke to a lot of people whilst I was in Tassie a couple of weeks ago, and they were all for it. Um, Jack in Pasco Bar wants to talk Ollie Henry. Welcome to you, Jack. Jake. Sorry, Jake. Are you there, Jake in Pasco Bar? You're on the air, Jake. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of uh, talk about Ollie Henry and press that last caller who called up about him. Um, I agree he's a great player and, and he will be, but Collingwood did not give him away. He, he was going to elect to go to the draft if we didn't trade him. Yeah, well, obviously you did want to keep him, um, but would he have gone? Would he have really gone to the draft, do you think, Jake? Yeah, it seemed like he was pretty set on it, you know, and it all came down to those last few minutes and I think that deal ended up having a bit to do with us getting Tom Mitchell. So, you know, I think Pye's made the yeah. right decision in the end. 
Yeah, I appreciate your call, Jake, giving a bit of balance to it. I appreciate you jumping on the line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the open line number. If you'd like to join us, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Still to come, Glenn Maxwell's going to join us. Liam Stocker also a little bit later on, but straight back to your calls for Midday Madness. And Baz in Coburg's been holding for a while. Welcome to you, Baz. G'day, Dwayne. How are you, buddy? Good. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about... Uh, I'm a Carlton supporter, and, you know, I think we'll go all right this year, hopefully. But I uh, just want to talk about uh, Brisbane's premiership chances are massive now that I reckon they picked up Jack Gunson. He's, he's a gun. Like, I seriously believe he's probably the difference between them winning it and losing it now because he gives a lot to a side. I would have loved him for, at Carlton for a couple of years. He's hard to match up on. and I reckon, Yeah, I reckon he's... Yeah. So I reckon he's going to be the recruiter. I'm agreeing with you, Baz. I'll play you a little bit of what Chris Fagan had to say about Jack Gunston earlier on. He was on SEM Breakfast, Chris Fagan, and he had a few things to say about what Jack Gunston is going to add for the Brisbane Lions. And it's not just about his goal-kicking capacity. So uh, I'll play that uh, in a couple of secs, the Chris Fagan talking about... Well, he's known Jack Gunston for a while because, obviously, um, he was at Hawthorne. Here's what Chris Fagan had to say about Jack Gunston. Yeah, I obviously had a lot to do with Jack in my time at Hawthorne. Um, thought he was probably the, the, one, of the, one of the smartest, if not the smartest forward I've ever ever had anything to do with. So, um, no, and he's got great knowledge of the game. He's got a capacity to coach out on the field. So uh, we've seen that uh, clearly so far this preseason. He's, he's in pretty good form. He's been able to do the majority of the preseason, which is been unusual for him over the last few years. Um, you know, every time he plays, most of the time when Jack touches the ball, he either kicks a goal or it ends up in a goal to us. So, so so far, so good. But his impact on the club and our, particularly our forward line, I think, will be really positive. Full of love for Jack Gunston, as you could expect from Chris Fagan. Ronnie and Bendigo, you there, Ronnie? Hey, Dwayne. I hope you're well. You keep telling everyone you're good, so that's pleasant. A um, couple of quick points. Um, in terms of the boundary on pies, yeah, I think JJ said it perfectly. I think the Ruckman do, you know, they start so far back. They're almost in the centre square when the ball gets tossed in on the wing. appreciate yep. your point in terms of trying to get it in the 18 metres. But, uh, like, they're starting so far back. It does it does make the throws look a lot less than what they actually are. Yeah, um, I think you made a lot of sense, Josh, as well. Yeah. And, and, and I, do you, so that's the first point. Do you think, just quickly, Dwayne... Um, uh, when will you release your top eight? And um, with the boundary umpires, do you think they'll either go, you know, are we are we three or four years away from the last touch model that seems to have been embraced by some of the other larger regional uh, competitions? Why? Just count on your view on those couple of things. Yeah, they love it in the sandfall, the last touch. I'm not for it. I don't really like it myself. I'm, a lot of things, people think I want to change the game. There's a lot of traditions, a lot of rules that I don't want to change, and I don't really think we need it. I would maybe bring the boundary umpires in a bit further so we're not getting as many throw-ins. But, um, yeah, I think they've, they've tightened up on the insufficient intent. So by tightening up on insufficient intent, we do argue about it. Well, that wasn't insufficient intent. That was. Uh, could he have really done anything else? I'm glad they've tightened up on it and we get more players trying to keep it inside the field of play and not letting it run out. So I don't mind where we're at with it. Um, as, as far as um, my eight... Uh, I'll give that some. I'll go and watch some. I'll watch some games this weekend. Maybe next week I'll throw mine out. My penciled in eight. I'm trying to work out who I'd knock out of last year's eight to get Carlton in. 
Ronnie. But if there's one team outside the eight right now I'm putting in, it's probably only Carlton. That's about it. Uh, but I do need to kick someone out. So let me work that one through in the next seven days. Appreciate your call, though. And uh, we'll talk soon. Sody Bowles. Maxwell's going to try again. He's blasted that for six on the reverse. <laughs> he has put that so far back. He's back. Glenn Maxwell back in the Australian squad for 3-1 day at the Nationals against India next month after recovering from his broken leg. And he's been good enough to join us for a chat. Glenn, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Good to be back. Yeah, how are you, by the way? How's your leg? Yeah, yeah going very well. It's, um, it was a nice week uh, back playing for Victoria in the Shield game. So for it to finish the day early was a bit of a blessing in disguise. It was, it was nice to get back on the park. Any dramas with uh, how it held up? No, it actually really improved throughout the game. I was able to get a bit of running in, into the leg on day three, a um, couple of chases out to the boundary, which gave me a bit of confidence. Um, I suppose heading forward, which is nice. I was able to sort of react and uh, and move and, and not sort of have it in the back of my mind too much. So uh, really successful week. Because it did worry you, didn't you? Uh, get a little bit worried after it happened as to how bad it was going to be and how quick your recovery might be. Yeah, I, I suppose it's one of those things that it, it can be in the back of your mind and, and it's really hard to sort of put it out of your mind when you when you do go into a, a contest or a battle and to, to sort of uh, get through that first game and I, I suppose at the end of it feel really confident heading forward that um, I can sort of withstand uh, the rigours of a, of a game of cricket. So... Um, I'm making good strides and hopefully back to 100% real soon. So when do you think real soon would be? Because um, we've still got a month until the one day of the Nationals. Um, you were going to be in this test team, this test squad, weren't you, for India? Uh, I, I might have been a chance, but as, as it so happened, um, probably didn't... Um, didn't probably have a, any sort of chance of being in the squad once I did my injury. It's I needed to be back playing cricket before then and, and prove my full fitness. But um, I suppose that's history now. We've just got to try and support those guys over there as best we can. We're losing a few players, though, Glenn. Uh, would you be available if they gave you a call for the te- third test or maybe the fourth? <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's all good in hindsight. But, yeah, I think there's still a fair bit for me to do uh, before I'm ready to, to, I suppose, be available for them. But I've got full faith in the guys over there to to play well in these last two tests and really take it to India. You do play spin well, though, so any advice? Oh, it's just a really hard place to play. I think you've just got to trust your fence for a really long period of time and uh, and you can't take your foot off the off the um, accelerator at any, any stage. You've got to be concentrating for every ball. It's um, any, any ball can potentially get you out. It's, it's so difficult over there and you've got to have a bit of luck along the way as well. Um, but I'm sure those guys, they've, they've trained really hard. They're, they're, they're so ready. They've, they've been in both the tests. They've dominated at different stages during matches. And um, if they can just, sort of, I suppose, withstand those um, big moments of pressure and, and find a way through it, um, I'm sure you'll see guys have success in these last two tests. Where were you watching the sweep fest? And did you throw something at the TV like a lot of people did? No, not at all. I, th- I, I could understand exactly the position that they're in at the moment. I've been in those positions where um, everything can just go wrong when India are on fire, they're on top, they're um, running around. and It's so difficult over there when you're in that in that pressure of the battle and they're, um, 
they're up and about. The ball's doing all sorts of things. Um, it, it can be so hard to withstand that pressure and um, just to see probably our best batters make make mistakes in those um, in those conditions shows how difficult it is. And um, yeah, they just just need to keep going and um, keep trying to find a way to wrestle that momentum back. And um, as I said, they were they were probably on top at the start of day three and and one bad session and unfortunately there goes the test match. But um, to for them to be on top at that stage of the test match, which just shows how, how close they are to cracking it open. And what's your agenda look like with the recovery mode still happening? How full is your dance card going to be, given that you're in this one day at the national squad, you might get a phone call for the fourth test. Who knows? You've got IPL and there's the ashes on the horizon as well, given that I'm sure you do have aspirations to get back into the test squad ASAP. Yeah, I've got a fairly busy schedule coming up. Um, I'm going to play club cricket on Saturday um, and hopefully the next Shield game as well in Albury against New South Wales. So there's a bit of cricket still to go before I head off to India for the one-dayers and then got the IPL. I've signed up to play the Blast uh, for Warwickshire um, and I've also got the 100 uh, for London Spirit. So there's a there's a full off-season for me. Um, hopefully it's all really good leading towards that ODI World Cup at the back end of the year, which is uh, something we've... Uh, Pennsylvania is really important on the Australian calendar. There's obviously a big year with this India Test Series as well as the Ashes, uh, the World Test Championship. It's a it's a massive year for Australian cricket, and um, and yeah, I think for a lot of the white ball guys at the moment, that that ODI World Cup is is certainly at the forefront of our mind. Yeah, I know that's what we've got you on to talk about. I, I do, if you don't mind me, you do want to play in the Ashes though, for the opportunities there, don't you? Yeah, I certainly would, but um, yeah, I think it's. It's probably hard for, for me to put my name up for that. Probably haven't played enough first-class cricket over the last few years or put consistent numbers up. So I'm pretty realistic about my opportunities of playing the Ashes. One day at the Nationals, where are we at with the mix of one day as T20s and tests? These are pretty important in a lot of people's eyes, the one day at the Nationals still, but in other people's eyes, they're, they're waning in importance. I think with the history of the one day World Cup, I think for the players, it's certainly one of those things where you look back at the success of the Australian team in, in ODI World Cups, and it's always something that you want to emulate and, and follow in the footsteps of the, the greats that have played in the game before us. So it certainly uh, matters a lot to the players that are playing in it, and you, you see a lot more one-day cricket played in an ODI World Cup year, and it's the same with the T20 World Cup year. You, you play a lot of T20s leading up to the tournament, um, trying to get your squads ready, your, your game plans right, and um, that's going to be something that's really important, especially for us in this series against India. Those three games in Indian conditions, um, trying to work out our game plan over there and, and how to tackle one of the best one-day teams in the world as well. So it's going to be a great challenge for us. Yeah, and given that it is in India, we've seen how different test cricket is from Australia's summer to what's happening in India now. So how different is it for one-day internationals and the pitches for the one-day internationals you expect for that World Cup, which is in India? Well, the conditions are a little bit different in the one-day game. The wickets are a tiny bit flatter, but even so, you do get stages of one-day games over there where it does spin, where the wicket does play tricks, and because you've got to keep scoring and, and keep taking the game on, it it can happen really quickly. You can see collapses happen um, through the middle overs, um, and you can um, see lots of ebbs and, ebbs and flows in the game. So it's a, it's a great challenge for a one-day uh, group to go over there and and hopefully we can have some success and and really kickstart our 
I suppose our, our ODI World Cup campaign. It's a it's a long lead in. Uh, we know we've got a lot of time in between probably this ODI series and the next one, which, which I think is in South Africa at the back end of the year. So for us to start nutting out a really solid game plan and uh, and, and individual game plans as well, how are we going to tackle all those conditions and, and how are we going to take the game on and be successful? And the Shield cricket has been such a, a beautiful part of our summers for decades now. It used to draw big crowds. It's sort of lost its gloss a little bit. It must still be fun to play in it. And I'm sure you're looking forward to a little bit of club cricket on your agenda. It must be fun, Glenn. Yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed last Saturday playing for Fitzroy Doncaster again. It's It was my first game in, in about three and a half months and it was really enjoyable to get back out there and just be around a team environment again. It was uh, really enjoyable and, and to play the Shield game, especially at Junction Oval, um, it's got a real um, sort of beautiful vibe to it I think when there's people sitting on the hill enjoying the game it's um, it's really nice you get a couple hundred people there to a, to a shield game and it, it feels like a really nice ground to, to watch and, and be a part of and to have a win there inside three days was a, a, a huge sign of I suppose where our young Victorian group is going it's, it's great to see them having some success this season And will you be available for the final if the Vicks get there? I think with this ODI um, ODI series, I think that's going to uh, take out a few of us out of that um, Shield final, but um, hopefully if the guys can get another win or two, they'll, they'll be there in the final and um, and give them a good account of themselves. And I'm sure you didn't listen to the show. I don't expect you to be listening to the show, uh, Glenn, but we had uh, Jordan Buckingham's grandmother call up earlier today saying that uh, her son, uh, grandson didn't get enough credit for getting you out in the first dig, but we had other people on the text say that you weren't even out LBW. Uh, how did you see that dismissal? <laughs> uh, well, personally, I, I didn't feel... It didn't feel out. What Sometimes when you get hit on the pads of the batter, you feel like you're, you feel like you're out or feel like you're close, but, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, it, it was unfortunate for my to in that way because I actually started to feel, feel pretty comfortable at the crease, but um, that happens in the game, and... Uh, as I said, it was just nice to get back out there, get a bit of time on my feet and start to get that confidence back in my legs. So hopefully there's some more runs on the horizon, but um, yeah, well, probably didn't feel out, that's for sure. <laughs> we got there eventually. Hey, Glenn, makes my show great to have superstars like you on it. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on and hopefully uh, we'll see you in action very shortly live and uh, we'll talk again soon sometime. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Glenn Maxwell joining us, Australian superstar returning to that one-day international squad. So, again, that squad, Cummins, Abbott, Agar, Carey, Green, Head, Inglis, Lubbershane, Mitch Marsh is back, Glenn Maxwell's back, Jai Richardson, Steve Smith, uh, Stark, Stoinis, Warner, Zampa, uh, three one-day internationals. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Heap of texts that have come through that I haven't got to, so I appreciate those that have sent through a text on the 40 Winks temper text, 0433. 98 11 16 consumers choice winner temper t-e-m-p-u-r mattresses pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body uh, pipe we need a roof we need a bright new stadium we deserve federal funding we deserve our own team i think it's happening a lot of political games being played there is a once in many a lifetime opportunity for our great state and then we can honor uh, people like hudson stewart Baldock as they should be uh, with the map on the jumper as well. JB in Hobart. Yeah, the naming of the grandstands is going to be an issue for the new stadium. That's going to be a talking point 
as well. But I uh, hope you're right. If there is a press conference down in Hobart, we will cross to a Gil McLaughlin down in Hobart today. The other big news today being the Fremantle have announced their new captain, their 10th captain, Alex Pearce has been given the solo captaincy. Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb are on the vice-captains. We'll have a chat to Paul Hazelby in the next hour. Hi, Dwayne. FYI, there's no trains between Geelong and South Geelong and Marshall for anyone coming down for the football tonight. Adam in Geelong, thanks for the update, Adam. Uh, Ollie Henry would have ended up at Geelong at some stage anyway, so yes, he's going to be a star, but it was always going to be at Geelong. Well, Collingwood wouldn't have felt that. If that's the way Collingwood felt, they wouldn't have drafted him. Um... But uh, maybe you're right. He was always going to end up at Geelong and maybe they shouldn't have drafted him. Hello, Dwayne. Mid-season trade, total chaos. Decimated the competition in the 70s. Club loyalty out the window um, and players playing for three, four and five clubs. Uh, And I'm not a fan of it either. Mid-season trade, I reckon what your list is is what your list is for the season. I'd be sticking with that. I wouldn't mind an opportunity of a trade period after the last trial game before round one so if you did lose a ruckman in the game next week you might have an opportunity to trade for one but no in season i'm yet to be convinced that i like it paul in coburg wants to talk greyhounds and is on the line welcome to you paul uh, great to have you on the program g'day Dwayne. thanks very much um i just want to mention on when maxwell the important point he made was he missed a team environment he went back to play with fitzroy and he really enjoyed that environment even though he might have made runs or got wickets or took catches he just missed, missed that environment. And on the Greyhounds today, there's a Greyhound meeting at Shepparton, and um, six ducks ran out on the track, and they declared it a race. So I thought that was quite funny. So it's a couple of things for you. I didn't know. Uh, did, 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 did Greyhound win, or did one of the ducks get there first? No, I think the duck won way ahead. Or, or beak, <laughs> I'm not sure. Thanks for that. Um, uh Hi, Dwayne. I wonder why Todd Murphy wasn't picked in the one-day squad. He hasn't done anything wrong. We need younger players. Another one here uh, talking about Keezer as well that I go to and I gave a plug to. I've been using Keezer long before I actually uh, joined SEN. I was using Keezer long, long, long time before that. There is, There was an opportunity for those uh, ex-players like myself to be able to see what Keezer was like. And I've been using Keezer for probably six or seven years now, so long before I joined SEN, but it is great to be an ex-player because sometimes you get that opportunity through the AFL Players Association to help rehab your old injuries that tend to stick around. So there's a few of us that have used Keezer over time. So, yeah, I appreciate your text. Another cheerio to all those at Keezer that have been good to me over time, like Rich, who's down in Torquay right now, uh, Grace and Mitch, who are down in Keezer Geelong, who I still drop in and see once or twice a week, the way it stands right now. Jordan and co. who are down at uh, Keyser Ocean Grove. So, yeah, if you are in the, in the need for some back rehab, then drop in to your local Keyser. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Head back to your calls very shortly. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert oh support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. We will go down to Tassie if Gil McLaughlin in Tasmania does have a press conference and try and take that live for you, bring you the latest from down there, but that doesn't look like happening in the next hour. The big news of the day is that Fremantle have announced their 10th captain, Alex Pearce, getting the nod as solo captain, Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong, vice-captains, former Fremantle superstar, co-host of The Run Home with Hayes and Mato. Paul Hazelby's been good enough to join us, uh, getting ready for another big stint on SENWA. Welcome to you, Paul. Great to have you on. Oh, great to be on, Dwayne's World. Thanks very much. 
It's uh, nice to have you on, and it's nice to have uh, one other captain name. Still got Brisbane to go and Geelong to go. How's this been received, Alex Pearce? And was it tipped to be Alex Pearce? I kind of got the impression that a lot of people thought Andrew Brayshaw was going to be given it. No, he was the favourite from a long way out. He's been in the position, of course, under Nathan Fife when he was injured last year. So he's played that role, and he hadn't done anything wrong. Like He really stepped up. Fremel had a terrific season. There was a little bit of groundswell, groundswell of support late for Andrew Brayshaw, and maybe they've missed a beat here with co-captaincy, which I thought Brayshaw you know, has done a lot right in his time at the Fremantle Football Club. But you can't deny it's a very popular choice here in the West. He's done the role before last year, as I said, and he's another example of that full-back captain that we've seen in the past that worked really well with the West Coast Eagles and Darren Glass for a long period of time. I think he's really demanding, Alex Pearson, probably just edged him ahead of Andrew Brayshaw. I think Brayshaw's still got to work on that communication piece where he has to be a bit more aggressive towards some of his teammates at the right time. But Alex Pearce, very, very popular. How much has it changed, Paul, the, the captaincy role, do you think, in your short time out of the game? I think it's changed massively. I think uh, from my era and probably your era, it was more based around the superstar players, the very popular players on the field and also off the field. But now I think leadership is about absolutely holding the whole group accountable, be really strong with their thoughts around that. And we're seeing, I think, more captains that maybe aren't the best players in their team come into those positions because of that pure leadership. But one thing I do know, it's not just about the captain. It takes four or five different pieces to have great leadership amongst a football club. And I feel Fremantle have got many of those pieces right in recent times. The new CEO, Peter Bell, is doing really well. And Justin Longmuir, they seem to have a lot of bases covered at the moment. High expectation. Are you going to have a look tomorrow? I think it is Fremantle and the Crows at uh, about 3.30 tomorrow afternoon. We'll be doing our show, but I will be watching it as we do the show. Yep. They're all in. They had their breakfast yesterday morning and there is no more excuses. They laid out their five-year plan uh, last year. They're now into year two and, and they believe they should get a couple of premierships over the next few years. So they've drafted young. Those players are now three, four, five years into their career. They've just about got everything right. They'd love another key forward, I think, to compliment uh, Matt Tubiner and young Joy Amos, but it's not coming. They've got Luke Jackson in, Jager O'Meara, who was included in that leadership group. Another big get for them throughout the off-season. So they, they are prying themselves for a premiership and top four this year. And what about the expectation on the West Coast Eagles? And is it right the West Coast are playing Port at the same time? Fremantle are playing the Crows tomorrow? Not ideal. I saw that today, Dwayne. I wasn't happy because <laughs> I want to watch both games and try and get uh, as much information as we can on the West Coast Eagles because we just don't know. Like, was it an aberration last year? Was it just that year where everything went wrong and maybe there will be a bounce-back factor? They certainly are fitter. They've, they've made that admission that they were unfit uh, last year. Some players overweight, so they're going to improve with that. And you get some real-class players back into that team. And, you know, Elliot Yeo is a massive one. Dom Sheed didn't feature last year. Oscar Allen as well. Jeremy McGovern, Tom Cole, they've got to be improved. But I still get the sense depth is going to be questioned because whilst they really did recruit well this year, it looks like on face value, there's this middle tier that's just missing with the West Coast Eagles. Guys between the age of 20 and 26, where they just missed at the draft for probably five or six seasons. Any heat on Adam Simpson at all? Oh, absolutely. Proud club. Still got another three years, I believe, on his contract. So, 
you know, but you know, if you put in another year where you win two, two to six games, you're in a lot of trouble. But I think it is going to be a bit more about what's coming from underneath the new players. If he can show that the future looks pretty good, he may just get another crack to have a crack with this group over the next three or four years. But it wouldn't want to be like last year. And uh, how's your show work over there? And how do your newspapers work over there? How big a news can Bancroft? just bringing up his fourth Shield century of the season and pushing hard, I'm sure, over there to get him back in the test team and a oh, couple of games of footy. What gets the priority? Oh, Tim Gossage, he runs the agenda over here and he's always playing that <laughs> Victoria sort of card over there. But um, I said last week on our show we had Cam Bancroft on and he's ready. I think he's made all the runs and that's what you want to see. You want to reward those guys that have gone back and played at Sheffield Shield level. He's done it at all formats now, so not just Sheffield Shield. ODI, T20, he goes across there in really good form and could put a lot of pressure on David Warner potentially going into the Ashes series. I don't think he'll play throughout this Indian series, but I reckon they've just got the Ashes in the back of their mind. Hey, it's great to have you on. Uh, Good luck with your show. Always great to chat to you. Thanks for making yourself available a bit earlier than normal. Always a pleasure. Have a good one. Paul Hayes will be joining us, former Fremantle superstar and co-host of the run home on SENWA. Going to take a break shortly, but one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I want to play you a little bit of Chris Fagan from earlier today. I mentioned it earlier, and we had a couple of texts about it, just talking about Adam Simpson. Still got a few years left on his contract, but it is a big season for Adam Simpson. All the coach not recontracted talk has been centering around Ken Hinckley all summer and Port Adelaide. What are they going to do all summer? Um, and fair enough, Port missed the eight and are yet to make a grand final under Ken Hinckley, and he's out of contract at the end of the season, Ken Hinckley. But Chris Fagan's future and his pass mark for this year is an interesting thing to watch. Been Brisbane coach for a long time, and whether he's going to be get reappointed for a longer term has been a, an issue that's flown under the radar a bit, especially in Victoria. Chris Fagan addressed it, his own future as coach, and the fact that he would love to put it on the agenda and with those in high places at the lines and get his contract extended. Here's what Chris Fagan had to say about being recontracted on SEM Breakfast today. Um, well, I hope to be. Um, that's sort of still all, all in the wind. Um, uh, you know, I've, I think this is my seventh year. Mm. I, I feel like we're, we're on the cusp of um, doing some good stuff, but probably there's probably about seven or eight other clubs that feel the same way, but done a lot of hard yards, so... In a, in a new facility, I'd like to, to stay on as coach for a few more years um, and, and see what we can do. And, but that's that's up to the club and my management to talk about, but hopefully that will happen sometime in a not-too-distant future. Chris Fagan, hopefully it will happen, that discussion in the not-too-distant future. It would be interesting, will they jump mid-season? Had a text earlier on saying that Brisbane have a tough draw, they could start 0-4. So would you wait until the end of the season and open up the speculation like has been opened up with Port Adelaide and Ken Hinckley, or is that something they have to do, wait until the end of the season and see how it pans out? Because the expectation is that Brisbane has a team that's good enough to win a flag and yet to actually play in a grand final under Chris Fagan, a bit like Port Adelaide yet to play in a grand final under Ken Hinckley. A couple of calls, sent through your texts as well. 
on that Werribee Kia open line, one 736 if you'd like to join us or send through a text 0433 Still got a few things to give away, including a Dwayne's or a T-shirt or two. So one 736 736 Scrap out your calls. 1-300-736-736 is the open line number and your text if you want to send one through 0433-98-1116 on Chris Fagan's pass mark and whether he will get extended mid-season, as he hopes he will, or anything else in the world of sport you'd like to discuss. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of texts that have come through. Maxwell might get in the test team now. Another one, Fremantle are kidding themselves. Cannot be a serious contender without a few quality key forwards. Jackson is not a key forward. Kicked 11 goals only last season. I think Jackson's going to play more as a midfielder from what we're hearing so far. Um, so, Dwayne, basically any player that plays for the Geelong Falcons should not be drafted by any team. And Geelong can just take their pick of which kids they want. Um, No, uh, if you haven't listened to what's been happening in the world of footy for a while now, the go-home factor is a factor around Australia. Whether it's Isaac Rankin from the Suns back to the Adelaide Crows, whether it's Jason Horn Francis from North Melbourne back to South Australia to play for Port, whether it's Chris Judd, a Victorian, heading back to Carlton after playing for the West Coast Eagles. So the go-home factor is real. And uh, the better the club and the area that you came from, the more likely you might want to go home. So that's why it's a factor for Tasmania coming in. They have to make sure that they've got the best of everything facilities-wise to stop the go-home factor from being an issue. And that's why the go-home factor was a killer for the Suns for a while. So the go-home factor is real. It's not just about Geelong and the go-home to Geelong factor. Um, hi, Dwayne, if you answered this, uh, I don't think I had the radio on. Can you please confirm if Carlton is on KO tomorrow? All the games today and tomorrow are on KO, I understand, and all the games next week are definitely all on Fox Footy next week. Uh, keep your text coming through, 0433981116. On the 40 Winks Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R text, Consumer's Choice Winner, Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Um, so, at the lunch in Hobart, uh, Gil McLaughlin has been speaking. There's some quotes from Anthony Albanese today on today's cash injection from uh, the AFL in Tassie. So I'll read you a couple of the quotes. Firstly, at the lunch, uh, Gil's been speaking out. He says he is not expecting a decision on the federal funding before the federal budget in May. The lunch continues, and he's yet to actually front the media, but it's uh, Gil is due to finish at the AFL, obviously, in April. Uh, Brent Costello reporting on Twitter from the lunch gives us the latest there. So he might join us a little bit later on if Gil McLaughlin does front the media and do a full press conference before 3 p.m. So some quotes that I'm told from Anthony Albanese, uh, uh, and uh, they are as such. We're considering proposals as part of our budget measures, but I'll make this point. We're considering it as part of an urban development to revitalise the city of Hobart and make a difference to the site. Macquarie Point is a prime site for not just a sporting stadium, if that goes ahead, but for residential, recreational, but for commercial activity as well. I'm working closely with Premier Jeremy Rockliffe to, on these issues. There's a submission being made. We're giving consideration to it as part of our budget process, but also working on ways in which we can ensure whatever happens at Macquarie Point produces maximum benefit for the people of Tasmania. So as we've been saying on this program for weeks now, um, for maybe longer than weeks now, the government money, they're not going to allocate money to building a stadium. They're going to allocate money to the development of Macquarie Point 
and there might just happen to be a stadium in that general vicinity as well. Uh, Paul on the road, you want to talk go home factor? Welcome to you, Paul. Yeah, Dwayne, how are you going? Good, thanks. Mate, um, yeah, I just I was curious, a couple of the um, examples you gave for the go-home factor. I, I would have argued Isaac Rankin, the 800000 a year, probably might have been um, you know, pretty enticing if he was getting that at the Gold Coast and maybe the, gold, the go-home factor might have uh, diminished a bit. And uh, I suppose otherwise, uh, Jason Horn francis you know, it sort of felt that, you know, if everything was all right at North Melbourne at the time, I think he would have stayed. Um, I, I'm just not sure whether they're great examples of, of, of that go-home factor. So you're saying, but I'm saying if your environment, you're saying exactly the same as I am. If your environment's terrible, then you're probably going to want to get out of it and go and play somewhere else. So it does add to the go-home factor. And if you're going to go anywhere, then you're probably going to go back to your original state. So would you count Luke Jackson then going to Fremantle as a go-home factor player? I mean, there's probably 100 I could have mentioned. No, I reckon Luke Jackson's a fair one. But I think, I think Isaac Rankin, I think um, 800k a year is probably, um, I would, you know, I think pretty easily to say it's probably a contract factor, that one. And, and Jason Horn francis um, you know, I mean, 12 months before North Melbourne was was going to be um, was going to be everything to him, um, as opposed to just sort of going home. It just sort of felt that you know he maybe was he felt like he was in a bad environment, and you know if there'd been another club locally, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd gone to another Melbourne club if um, they'd been you know they they, they they thought there was some value in him. But anyway, you know, I, I acknowledge you've got the go home factor, but I think it can sometimes be um, it can be skewed. Um, to perhaps mask other reasons. Yeah, I agree with that. And But very rarely do you have a player go from a great club to a really, really bad club as part of the go-home factor. I mean, you know, you can go right back. I mean, Juddy went home back to Victoria, but there's the other side of the coin, and that is, you know, there's a lot of guys who have left their state and have never wanted to go back there and still live in that state because there was never a go-home factor because they were just that too damn good a club. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think the, I think your point is well made in terms of the Gold Coast. I think they've got the hardest battle. A young bloke, a young star growing up, you know, and, um, you know, falling in love with going to games with 80,000 people and then heading north. And, you know, that's got to be the biggest challenge um, for, 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 for any club, I'd say, the Gold Coast, because the reality is, you know, kids looks at well, am I going to play in front of twenty thousand or ten thousand people or eighty thousand every week? And and that's um, you know, that that's got to be the hardest thing for any club, I reckon. I feel for the big time. Did did the Gold Coast have enough money for Isaac Rankin? Though I mean, they had to get rid of Jack Bowes on a salary cap dump. Jack Bowes is a local. He's from the Gold Coast. Well, he was from Cairns originally, but moved down to the Gold Coast with his family. He ended up at Geelong for a salary cap dump. So you know, mismanagement is part of what happens with trades as well. It's not just, you know, there's a lot of players that do leave to go to their own state, but there's players who are from that state originally that have left. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting chat. Um, yeah, go on. Just on that, on, on Rankin, I mean, if it's go-home factor is something that's attractive, wouldn't you think logic might say you go home for less money? Uh, you would, but we don't know exactly, and, and Kane Corns has been on this one for a while. It would be nice to know exactly what these guys are really on because we do guess, don't we? We don't know what the Gold Coast offered Isaac Rankin. I think sometimes length of deal is more the issue. It's not the amount of money. 
It's actually the length of security that you get offered. So if you get offered five or six when the club that you're at is only offering you three, you might be going to take the five. It's a longer it's a longer contract and it might be, you know, in some ways lesser money as well. Yeah, that's a, Isaac Smith. I mean, I mean, he went um, probably not for go home. He went for lifestyle, different time of his life. But he, he, I think Cawthorn was offering him two and Geelong was offering him three. And um, yeah, yep. they're all different cats. It's an interesting conversation and love your show. Thanks, mate. Now, I appreciate your call, Paul. Hold the line. We've got something for you. We've got a Signet Boost power bank coming your way. Uh, Signet Boost power banks will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. One here on the text, um, and it's a good one too. Uh, Tim Kelly was playing for the Cats. He left the Cats and went to a lesser club in the Eagles. So there's a go-home that was going to a lesser club and left a a great club, but he just wanted to go home. So, you know, there's 100 go-home factor players that you could throw up, but it has been going on for a long time. It's been going on, you know, I mentioned Chris Judd way back when, but there's a lot of guys who stuck around too that could have gone home, um, but have decided not to go home. Um, Dave, I know you're on the line. We need to take a break. One three hundred seven three six seven three six, and we're going to open up the lines again after the break. SEN's greatest AFL team since 2000 tournament continues today, thanks to Werribee Care. You can head to the SEN Twitter page and cast your vote on today's matchups as we work our way over the next few weeks toward naming the greatest AFL team of the last 23 years. You can head to the SEN social media channels to check out the full bracket of matchups. So we're deep into the second round now. Yesterday, the Hawks 2014 flag side edged out Geelong's 2008 side, whilst the Brisbane 2003 premiership side comfortably took care of Geelong's 2009 flag side. So today, who wins out of these two battles? Richmond 2019 versus Hawthorne 2015 and Geelong 2009 versus Brisbane 2001. If you want to weigh into either of those, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can join this program now, or jump on the SEN Twitter page. Dave in Melton, though. Before we take a break, you there, Dave? Hey, mate. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I just want to know what the odds are with Chris Fagan on Hodgie being the next Brisbane coach, and do you think Brisbane is going to do a Hawthorne and put on hydrogen here if Fagan doesn't produce? So, so am I, if, would Hodge coach during the year if they weren't going yeah, any would, good, did you say? Yeah, would Fagan get moved on like Hawthorne did with Sam Mitchell and Clarkson? Would Brisbane do that? Mm. Would they get into effect and get rid of Fagan and put Hodge on if he wanted to coach? I don't think so, but the issue is Sam Mitchell always wanted to be an AFL coach and joined multiple you know, different AFL clubs to fine-tune his opportunity when it came to maybe move back to Hawthorne. I'm not sure Luke Hodge has been putting his hand up saying, I want to be an AFL coach. But uh, in saying that, um, maybe he does. Maybe we need to find that out, Dave. Hey, great call. Appreciate your call. Been talking a bit about the Cats game, but obviously there's a few texts saying, don't forget Essendon and the Suns are playing this afternoon too. A few people asking whether the games are on KO. Yes, they are on KO, but they're also on Fox Footy. So if you want to check out today's games, whether it be the Essendon game or the Geelong Hawthorne game. Yes, they're on Fox Footy. And tomorrow's games are on Fox Footy and KO, as they will be next week. So all these games are being covered, including the St Kilda game that Liam Stocker will be part of. And the new Saints recruit has been good enough to join me. The Saints are celebrating their 150th year. Secure your spot at their Round 3 anniversary game today. 
call 1300-467-246 or visit saintsmembership.com.au. Liam, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. Thank you, Dwayne. Thanks for having me. Exciting times for you. A whole new part of your life starts up again. Yeah, it's been terrific. I probably didn't believe people when they said it's like starting starting at school again, but um, it's pretty similar. Um, had to make a few new friends and uh, say goodbye to a few old ones, but no, nah, it's been terrific. How do you win them over at training? Uh, oh, it's pretty easy for me. I think um, put your head down, shut up for a while, and uh, and let the respect um, be earned that way. I don't think you get anywhere by talking the talk before you walk the walk. So, yeah, I think that was that was my focus going in. Ross is pretty clear with me about what he wanted to see, and and yeah, I, I think I showed it. And how hard you train, obviously, is an issue, and you must have been training pretty hard to get the list spot, but. Um, how hard has this training summer been, given it's a new club and you've got a new coach in Ross Lyon? Yeah, it's been um, it's been interesting. Obviously, when you move to a different club, there are different philosophies with um, with the high-performance staff. Um, I think, for me, this has been my toughest pre-season yet. I haven't missed a session, but um, Ross sort of challenged me to go to a new level um, in terms of my running capacity and particularly with my power stuff. So um, I've definitely had a big body of work, but um, I feel all the better for it. Are you playing tomorrow, and where will you play if you are playing? Um, I'll sort of be split a little bit. Um, we've trialled um, centre bounces and a few of that stuff um, in the midfield, but I think I'll start off half-back, and, um, and if we require it, I'll go inside. But I think that's got to be earned as well, that midfield time. So, um, yeah, I'll earn my stripes first and, and hopefully progress in there eventually. Can you feel the vibe from the other players who have been at St Kilda for a while but are reinvigorated by having the fresh eyes of a new coach? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's a pretty fun place to be at the moment. Um, I know what it can be like, um, you know, losing a, a few games at Carlton. Um, I know how the season can get. And, and from what I've heard, this is, you know, the best it's been in a few years for some of the older boys. So um, it's really invigorating for me too. Um, I think it'd be hard if you came into a new environment and everyone was was a bit down and out. So, um, no, I think everyone's enjoying it a lot. We've had a good injection of youth as well, which is which is always fun. Um, the first year's been pretty good value too. So, yeah, everyone's pulling in the same direction, which has been terrific so far. And it is a work in progress because even the forward line, no, Max King, Tim Membry, we're kind of working out whether, I mean, a Josh Battle could be pushed forward. Uh, where's Zane Cordy going to play? So there's all that in the mix that we can't wait to see tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think um, probably at some stage we had to learn to play without Max. I think if you get too reliant on one player, um, it can get you into a bit of strife down the line. But I think Machito Owens is the one who surprised me the most. Um, his competitive work, he plays well above his above his weight grade. So, yeah, it's been really interesting to watch a couple of those boys sort of take that opportunity with both hands and, and rip it out of um, someone else's grasp, I guess. Can you tell me where Zane Cordy's going to play and who might be switched forward? Um. Geez, it's probably a better question for match committee. I think I've I've seen Zane do a little bit of forward time. I'm I'm not sure how it'll work on the weekend. I know Mitchie's been doing a lot of work out of the square. Um, yeah, it's probably a wait and see for me as well, I guess. And the kind of footy, the brand of footy from the Saints. Uh, Ross had this old style of being uh, a defensive first coach, but we're not expecting that from him. How are you seeing the the ball movement side that you've practiced? Um, it's pretty electric. Um, we've done a few match team sessions and uh, it's been pretty hot. So I think um, Ross has sort of come in and, and analysed the list um, however he saw fit. And 
I think he's identified a different way of playing, which is, you know, we're going to go quick and we're going to try and challenge defences as much as possible. Um, I think a set defence in the AFL now is the hardest thing to break through. So uh, we're kind of pulling with, with sort of what the Premiers look like and um, what the changing game has looked like the last few years. Um, but it's been a lot of fun to play. Um, we're all encouraged to take risks and sort of take the game on um, if possible. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been super exciting to try and play at it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun so far. And I watched a bit of Geelong's pre-season. I spoke to Jack Scrimshaw yesterday from the Hawks talking about that half-back instinct to just go when you get it, if you get the turnover, to just go and take off. I have noticed that, well, I think, and he kind of confirmed that you kind of go to what the opposition are giving you. So if the space is inside, you just go inside and take on the space. But if it's outside, you go outside. Have you got any rules or is it all left to your decision-making process? Um, I think with the boys who have played a bit of footy, um, particularly Jack Sinclair, um, you can sort of get a read off those guys. But some of the mantra as well is if you take whatever they're giving you, they have to defend that as well. They're not letting teams... I know a lot of teams try and push you towards the boundary and corral you out there. Like, you're going to take the corridor, they've got to protect that a bit more and you get a bit more space out there as well. Um, I think that's kind of the, the theory behind it is wherever the space is... If you can use it to the best of your advantage, you challenge the defence in different ways to what they're prepared for. Which I've seen Geelong use that outside space, use the boundary. If that's what, if teams are going to block up the corridor and not have anyone out there, then why in the hell don't you use it? You can still move it quickly out there. Yeah, exactly. I think they've been the best example I've seen in the last couple of years of really challenging defences. Um, and with that said, um, I think some of Geelong's late-game tactics as well, going more corridor and challenging defences that way as well, has been really, really fruitful for them, as we saw in the final series last year. Hey, uh, Cal, other issues that are floating around. Would you be in favour of a mid-season trade period? How would that have affected you if it was there last year? Um, I'm not sure if I'd have been in favour of it. I, I was really enjoying my time at Carlton last year, um, even though I, I did um, get delisted at the end of the season. I think the interesting thing to go through is who can be traded um, and how much play, power the players have versus the teams have. Um, I think a lot of that would be very hard to nut out and it would probably take a few years to really get a clear definition on what the trade period's for. I can definitely understand it for, for clubs who are trying to challenge and for sort of sell as well at clubs as well to, to get a bit more than maybe what players are worth. Um, I can see the pros and cons, but um, to be honest, I hope it never really affects me. I'm pretty happy where I'm at. No, you'll hopefully have a long career there. I'm sure you saw the press when Stephen Silvani came out and uh, was a supporter of yours saying, or Carlton was a bit, I think his quote about there being in turmoil. You had three coaches in four years, so it was a bit of a hindrance to your preparation. How did you read that and... And is it difficult when you have a, a tumultuous time as a young player at a new club? Um, oh, look, it's certainly difficult. I think um, I, I definitely struggled with a lot of the people involved in drafting me uh, finished up at the club at the end of my first year and um, probably just felt a lack of support, which, you know, at the time was quite naive of me to think I only really had to go and search for it. And I, I found that in my third and fourth year. I think to suggest that's the reason why I got delisted is um, probably the easy way out for me. To be honest, I had a pretty injury-laden pre-season and I was in a contract year and I didn't play to standard. Um, footy's a tough game and, and that's kind of what happens to people who don't play up to standard. Um, you don't survive. So, yeah, I, I think as difficult as, as it was 
um, it mightn't have been the reason I eventually got delisted either. So how tough has that been in your own mind to just own it? You just owned it pretty well then. Um, was that something you had to reconcile over time? Uh, yeah, certainly. I think um, I sort of went through a, a period of... Um, oh, I, I think when your ego gets challenged, particularly as footballers, and you know we're used to being the best in our field, um, I think certainly for me I found it challenging. And I guess the biggest thing that helped me was Having gone through the year I went through in 2020, I've learned to think things through a little bit better and a little bit more productively. And um, I got away and, and thought about the pros and cons and what kind of opportunity I had in front of me and, and whether I really wanted it. And that's kind of fueled my year this year and, and given me a lot of motivation. But um, no, certainly challenging. Um, I found that three months without a football club to be the most difficult of my career without a doubt. And the fact that you know, has it made you better getting through it? Does it, are you a better or wiser player now? Yeah, certainly. I think um, I'm very aware that it's a role game, and I think at the time I I probably didn't understand um, all of the reasoning behind being off the list. But um, I think more than anything, it was the mindset change. So to be invigorated, to be back on a list, and understand the opportunity you're given. Not that I didn't understand the opportunity beforehand, but um, yeah, just the respect to the career I've um, been lucky enough to have started and, and hopefully finished a long time. Got a few texts coming through, Liam. Uh, geez, this kid speaks well. Not a Saints fan, but genuinely hope he has a long and fruitful career. It has been great to, to hear you own it and talk in depth about a couple of the issues in, in footy and your life and your move to the Saints. So I really appreciate it, Liam. Thanks for coming on and good luck. We'll be watching you tomorrow. Thank you, mate. Thanks very much. Liam Stocker joining us after uh, career a button now with the Saints. Keep your text coming through, by the way, on the 40 Winks Temper text, 0433981116. I think we've got a caller. Brian Hoppers Crossing wants to talk Jake Stringer. Welcome to you, Brian. Great to have you on the line. Yeah, good afternoon, Dwayne. Fire away, Brian. You're on the air. All yours. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, just about Jake Stringham, mate. What's going on there regarding his uh, fitness? He seems to be getting injury after injury. Uh, and for me, it looks like he's unfit. Yeah, some guys you know, look like they're unfit, but you read too much into it when they all of a sudden get an injury. I'm, I'm of the belief that there are all different body shapes and sizes. Not everyone's you know, cut lean. Some are cut for power, and maybe Jake Stringham's cut for power. And Essen obviously have to have a look at his preparation, but it might be nothing to do with the preparation, it might be his body letting him down. I mean, I was one of those players who, you know, I was the same. Um, you know, you just wonder what, what it's going to be next and what you have to do differently. And in the end, some players get injured, some players don't. Let's hope Jake Stringer gets the turnaround. But at the moment, yeah, he's getting way too many injuries that he would like. And for Essendon fans who think that it's going to, you know, revolve around whether Jake Stringer's fit this year to have that extra powerful player kicking goals inside 50... Um, it's going to be a big loss if you only have him for half the games in 2023. I agree with you. Brian, great to have you call. Great to have your company today. Sammy Edmonds was on fire earlier today. And if you want to tune in Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for This Is Your Journey, there'll be a bit more of Sammy Edmund for you. Sammy Edmund speaking with former Australian cricket coach John Buchanan. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. And let's celebrate a few lives thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals. You can visit Tobin Brothers Funerals tobinbrothers.com.au uh, Happy birthday to current AFL players Ben Keys, Tom Fulton, 
Finn McGuinness, Jager O'Meara and Lockie Weller. Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Been a pretty big day down in Tasmania with Gil McLaughlin down there. Frank Costello from Win News in Hobart has been listening to what Gil has had to say. Brent, welcome to the program. Great to have you back on, by the way. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Dwayne. How are you, mate? I'm good. What did you take away from today's lunch? Well, it's a pretty exciting announcement today. We, we knew Gil was coming down, but uh, I just simply thought he was coming for a business lunch because we knew that uh, the, the stadium proposals with the federal government at the moment, so we didn't think he'd have much news for us. But uh, he's come down with a $360 million cheque, which is obviously very exciting. So he was just briefing that, to be honest, at the lunch today. And and what it'll do um, for, for footy here in Tasmania. It's going to go, a lot of that will go to grassroots footy and, and uh, also, you know, preparing our next generation of talent. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting announcement for the state. So there's been a talk of the divide and what can fix Tasmanian footy. What would the, be the best use for the $360 million to fix Tasmanian footy? Can you all get together and uh, read from the same hymn book there? Hopefully, yeah, that's the plan, obviously. But So this is all contingent on the stadium too, that $360 million. So that has to get built. $15 million of that 360 is going towards the stadium. But we still need to make up that shortfall of $240 million from the federal government. So really, uh, the, the whole Tasmanian footy ecosystem is in the hands of the, uh, the Prime Minister of Australia at the moment. And if they can make up that shortfall for the stadium. So um, Gillen basically said that he's not expecting any sort of decision before the, the May budget. So this is going to drag out for... A little bit longer, unfortunately, because it has been a bit of a saga. We've been on a bit of a roller coaster ride here, but we've got a few more months to wait to find out by the sounds of things. So when are you expecting to hear from the federal government as to whether they're going to allocate the money to the entire area and as part of that money, a little bit of spare change to pump up the stadium build? Yeah, look, I really don't think it'll be until May, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, a a bit of a wait ahead. Uh, I thought there might have been some sort of pre-budget announcement if they do decide to do it. Uh, before Gillan McLaughlin leaves his role, and, and we think that's going to be in April, but it sounds like that won't happen now. So whoever the new CEO is might be the one that, uh, that has the good news to deliver to us later this year. You do sound like you're pretty positive. You've been glass half full, positive that this idea is going to happen every time we've spoken to you. You sound more positive again today. Yeah, as I said, it's been a roller coaster ride, Dwayne. It really has. Uh, some days I've felt like we're at 0%, some days 100%, some days at 50 But today feels like it's a a really good um, good thing to be happening, that's for sure. And um, there's still a lot of opposition to the stadium, etc. down here. We know that. We saw that as recently as yesterday with some federal uh, senators coming out and banding together for opposition parties saying we shouldn't have to build a new stadium with taxpayer funds. But, look, I think the Prime Minister is pretty positive about it. He wants to see something happen at Mac Point, and um, he's the man that can deliver it. Great to have you, Brent. Well, uh, for those in Tasmania, you can catch Brent with more news on Win News in Hobart tonight. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot for your time. On you, Dwayne. Talk to you soon, mate. Brent Costello joining us. Uh, some good news there, even though it's not the confirmation news that most were hoping, but that was never going to happen today. And by the way, for our SEN Tassie listeners, David Flash Lithgow, who I was lucky enough to meet a couple of weeks ago when I was down in Hobart, he's hosting a special program at 4pm on SEN Tassie about today's proceedings. And it was nice to be down in the Tassie Hobart studios a couple of weeks ago and see a few members of the team. Been great to have so many of your calls and your texts come through today. Thanks to everyone who took the time to dial the number, jump on the line. I love Midday Madness every day. Love taking your calls about anything in the world of sport that moves you enough to pick up the phone and dial the number. So please join me again tomorrow and uh, write it down. Uh, Jot it down. Take a note of it. 
Hey, I'll call Dwayne tomorrow after midday and we'll get that on the airwaves on Midday Madness. And we'll get you on. That's the beauty of Midday Madness. You call, you get on. Keep your calls coming on that open line, which is brought to us, by the way, by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Werribee Kia, where else? And you can drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia. Uh, David, Janan, the Jim, the whole team are down there. They've got a heap of new and used car stock, so they'd love to see you. It's all there on the podcast as well. So if you want to have a listen back to our chat with Glenn Maxwell, Earlier today on the program, then, it's all there. You can listen to the whole show on the podcast or just the Glenn Maxwell part of it. But I'll catch you tomorrow at midday. 